Welcome to the best fleet. No, not the best fleet podcast. The Carrier's Ed podcast. That's thinking. a different podcast. <laughs> I'm Jane Jazarawi, co-founder of Carrier's Ed, and I'm Mark Morell, co-founder of Carrier's Edge. Yeah, and the reason that I'm just went straight into best fleets is because it's best fleets time. It is the thick of the interviews. Mm-hmm. Right in the middle. Although I haven't done that many interviews. Uh, I will be in the next couple of weeks. That's I, a bizarre I thing. I haven't done that very many. I've only done three directly myself. Well, we gave a bunch of other people all of the interviews. Well, we didn't take any interviews until after we had kind of shown everybody else the ropes. So we've been on interviews. We just haven't done them. Yeah. So. And I've been reviewing all of the questionnaires for other people's interviews in advance, but I haven't done very many myself. So yeah. I'm kind of in a weird spot where I'm feeling like swamped by all of the different questionnaires I'm reviewing, but I'm not that busy in terms of the schedule of direct interviews myself. Right. Although that's going to change. Exactly. <laughs> Cause I have, I have a bunch of them that are happening over not next week so much, but the last two weeks of, the schedule, like before interviews have to be done December 17th, I have a bunch. Yeah. I'm going to have a few three three in a day. I don't have any four in a day, which is good. I think we have more people doing the interviews, so yeah. we don't have those four, day, four in a day, which yeah. are just exhausting. Yeah, I've got a couple with two a day, but it. I know it's getting busy. It's kind of like when you're driving down the highway and you can see that dark cloud and there's just like no visibility on the road ahead and all, you know, it's coming. You, you know, just can't avoid it. yeah. And so. all you can do is, you know, make sure your windshield wipers are working. Yeah. Well, I think we are, well, I'm sure we're going to set a record this year uh, because we've got, as of now, I think we have 101 interviews booked, which is yeah far above what we've done in the past. I have one, at least one more. I know that there's, uh, there's one where I'm going to send a reminder and say, are you booking an interview? Cause you need to, you've done everything else. You can't do, Oh yeah. You can't have a hundred percent on the questionnaire and done all your surveys, but not actually do the interview. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We so, do try and follow up with people on that. If, if it looks like they've finished everything except booking the interview. Yeah. And sometimes they've changed their mind and they've decided not to participate and that's fair. Things happen, but it's just so heartbreaking when you discover after the fact that they wanted to do it and for whatever reason it slipped their mind and they, they are too late uh, or they come in at the last minute and there's no slots left. Yeah, I, I've sent out a couple of warning messages saying, look, I know you're going to do this, but mm. you better get your, your interview scheduled. And as we get later into it, like there's fewer and fewer slots mm -hmm. just because there's fewer days left. And I made a point of leaving a bunch of spots open over the like the past couple of weeks, and I've still got some for next week. But eventually, there just isn't calendar days anymore. Yeah, and your time fills in. Yeah, you know, other people will take your time if you don't. <laughs> if you don't want it, someone yeah. else wants it, and it's not just other like for interviews because we still have to try and keep our business running. Oh yeah, that thing. Yeah, I know. Well, our staff <laughs> they keep asking questions and wanting no, things. Please. Come on, you don't need to know these things. 
Yeah, but it is much better this year, I have to say. We've got six people doing interviews Mm -hmm. and they're doing a great job. They've got up Mm -hmm. to speed very nicely on this and is going very smoothly on that regard is going very smoothly. So I'm happy about that. I think we almost have everything documented now. Yeah. Which it used to be that Mark and I just kept everything in our heads and yeah. that's a disaster waiting to happen. All the things you realize you need to write down when other people are starting to do it. And after you just do a stream of consciousness of how they're supposed to do it, and then they look at you like you're crazy, and you realize, oh, we should probably write this down because it's not reasonable for you to remember all of that. Or do, well, what we've done is we've tried to do it in chunks. So, you know, we we kind of trained people in like, okay, here's this bit and Mm -hmm. these are all the bits, but you don't need to know about this yet. (laughs) Here's, here's this bit, figure this bit out. Okay. And then we're going to go to this bit. Yeah. Get comfortable here and then we'll move on. And it's, it's been nice that everybody's kind of figured it out and it's, and that we've been able to communicate that. And that's really. And actually the new staff have uh, really uh, added some, elements into the efficiency thing as well. They've had some ideas of how they're doing it. I'm sort of watching the way they do their prep. Oh, really? Yeah, like figuring out the target before the interview starts. So I noticed that um, the driver survey target, they go through and they calculate that as part of their prep and they actually save it in the notes. So when I'm going to look at it, I can see what the target is going to be. So that just saves a step during the interview of having to figure that out and open the thing up. So now they just... They have the target already, so they can just plop it in Are there. Are they all doing that? I don't We should probably know. share that as a best practice. Who's doing that? Is that a uh, Val started doing that, and I think either Tiffany or Anna. I see it's a blur. We're deep into the it's all a blur stage. Yeah. Um, it the, is all a blur. Stage. Sorry. I, the yawning is not because you're boring. It's just I'm... So here's the backstory. I kind of had... I guess it's surgery. That's surgery. I had dental surgery, so I have have a missing tooth and I'm getting an implant. So on Monday, uh, someone drilled stuff into my bone, in my, in my jawbone, which is charming for everybody to Any hear. Any week that includes drilled into my bone. And it's fine. Like it doesn't hurt or any. Well, it hurt just a little bit and I'm not allowed to eat on it for a while, which is always fun. But I'm just completely wiped completely wiped like i want to go to bed at eight <laughs> and i'm not a.m or p.m either yeah, one. yeah both are fine <laughs> so i just am finding that i want to drink a lot of coffee and i'm having a hard time staying awake which is it's partially because it's a really busy time but part of it is i think that uh a lot of my energy is going towards my jaw mm-hmm. so Everybody floss. I think I've said this on on this podcast before, my dental woes, but flossing and if you need a night guard, get one. Yes. If you clench your teeth at night, get something to stop it because that's where you lose your teeth. Yeah. You grind your teeth and they just... They They just stop being teeth. They just... (laughs) Yeah. They're just... What is the dead parrot sketch? It's a a non-tooth. It's a non-parrot. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's pleasant. I know. It's, it really is. So I'm well, fine now. I'm just really sleepy so all the time. In terms of Best Fleet's work, uh, have you done enough that you've noticed any trends or anything yet? 
(laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I haven't. Well, there's three things that I've noticed. Okay. Uh, Two of them are completely expected. And one I was not expecting at all. Really? Yeah. Okay. What are you going to start with the expected? Yeah. Okay. They're fairly straightforward. Tell me what's expected. Salaries are up. You know, driver pay average income for drivers Mm -hmm. seems to be up thus far is, is up. Um, and the actual pay as well. It's not like pay is up and miles are up. Like miles are holding both steady and pay is, is up. Which is interesting because remember the last time that pay went up before the pandemic, people dropped their miles. Yeah. Well, well we I don't know that. if the drivers dropped the miles or the carriers no, dropped the, them, but the, the miles were down. In the past, that's a good point. In the past, we have seen when carriers raise their rates, drivers run fewer miles. They don't want to run 120,000 miles a year. That's just what they need to do to make a decent income. So if they can do that same income with fewer miles, and for sure they're going to do it. And that's what happened last time is the... Uh, um, the average didn't really go up very much. It pretty much stayed the same because everybody was doing fewer miles. But and that was a time, bit of a surprising one at the time because everybody thought that the income was going to be up so much. This time, the income is up. The miles are about the same. And it's a lot of, everybody knows there's tons of work out there. They can be, you know, they see it as a bit of a gold rush, I guess. This is an opportunity to get out there and crank up some income. Yeah, so, I mean, if that's how... If the more you do, the more you operate, the higher your pay is going to be. A lot of people, this is, you, you yeah. go as fast as you can. And I also have to check what happened last year. I think averages were down last year. So it could be that it's going to back, getting back up to the normal period uh, or normal rates that we see in this period. Uh, was that for like for last year? Was that the shutdown? Yeah, the the COVID so people stuff was were in there, so the averages went down. Yeah, because it depended on what your freight was. But there's as well. uh, there's fleets that definitely didn't slow down during COVID that uh, or ha- haven't had any um, real slowdowns that uh, are seeing their income up. I think that's just the economy. Everybody knows you got to pay more. You know, rates are going up for drivers, so that's not really surprising. Second thing that I found that also isn't all that surprising is the average age of the fleet is getting older. The average age of the trucks in the fleet <laughs> is getting older for the simple reason that they can't get new ones. You know, yeah. they have having our, everybody I talk to um, is having a hard time getting new equipment and even, you know, struggles with used equipment and stuff like that. So that's not groundbreaking. I would have been surprised if we didn't see that given all the delays and everything. And we see people that are, getting four months, five month delays on their shipments. So that's going to push. On their shipment? What? Shipments. Shipments. Okay. Okay. Yes. That could have, whatever you said, whatever came out of your mouth could have been interpreted a couple of interesting ways. (laughs) Yes. What I was intending to say is the shipment, the delivery of the new trucks. How about that? Right. Right. Yes. I've got some editing work to do, I see. No, don't edit that. That was perfect. Um, (laughs) That's exactly what the audience wants. But I think that some of those backlogs, um, a couple of the interviews that I did talked about backlogs, but they were just kind of breaking. So I think they're trickling. And now Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be a big, uh, I don't think it's going to be everything all at once, but I think it's starting to trickle in. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some reports very early reports of the sense that the logjam is starting to break. 
So, so what was the surprising thing? The one that I wasn't expecting, and it was a few different fleets that I reviewed before I really noticed the pattern, uh, is the safety scores. We look at the DOT reportables per million miles, mm-hmm. and we also ask them to break it out in preventable and non-preventable. Right. And in the past, the vast majority were considered non-preventable um, because most fleets... They work very hard on their safety programs, and if there is a DOT reportable, it's somebody hitting them or it's something that's generally considered to be out of their control. But this year, the trend across the ones that I've seen is that's flipped. Like, and I'm double checking it because it's it's totally opposite than what we've seen in the past. Is that more, and in some cases, 65, 70 percent of the uh, the crashes and tows are deemed preventable. So the safety stuff has really changed, I've noticed. And I am very curious what's causing that, what what's happening. I mean, it seems like a year ago people had emptier roads, so their safety numbers were really good. And now they've got more traffic and all of this, lots of things happening where people are maybe distracted or not used to dealing with a lot of other people on the road. So they're hitting more things. I don't know. It's, uh, I wonder if it's the general, well, I think it's a couple of things. I think the, the going from no one on the roads to having normal traffic again is probably part of it. Or people who started when there was no one on the roads and then like, Mm -hmm. so they were entry level and they came into the industry. The other thing, there's a lot more entry level people coming in. Uh, the, and also I think aggressive driving, anger, frustration, that, um, I think. mental, like there's a lot of talk about mental health now that really was not talked about at all before. I remember a couple of years ago, um, mental health was talked about in Canada for a while because there was trucking HR was, had a big push on that, but not in the States, not even a bit. And now mental health is, you know, people are realizing that, you know, you're out on the road, you're on your own, like maybe, maybe some check-ins are going to be useful. And so, you know, when your mental health isn't great, and I mean, even if not that you're full, have full on depression or you diagnosed with something, but like just, just how down everybody has been over the pandemic where you can't do normal things, you're prevented from doing the things that you love you know, everybody has to stay away from each other and there's masks and the masks are really an issue and everybody is very angry about certain things and the political strife. You know, aggression on the roads is going to be higher. Yeah, that makes sense. And it may be that things are deemed preventable, but don't forget, a lot of the fleets are going through the process of having things uh, reviewed. Yeah, that's always happened, but... When you get to preventable that has once was 10% of your total, total uh, incidents and now it's 60%, like that's the yeah. kind of shift that I'm seeing, which is why it's really surprising to me. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's just the general malaise of, yeah, like society's having a rough time right now. Yeah. You know, if, if uh, you wanted to look at you know, the globe as just as a whole in, in amongst all of the other planets, ours is a problem child right now. Well, yeah. for more reasons than just that, but yeah. 
we're we're going through a rough time as a society. So I think it's being being kind is is uh, yeah, and slowing down and calming down and being more cautious. That's a that's a hard ask for a lot of people right now. It is, but it's it kind of makes it more important to do. And and I'm I'm just as bad. <laughs> so I, and the like once I, every two weeks when you drive somewhere. Well, no, no, no. I'm not talking about driving. I'm just talking about in in general. It's harder to be kind. Just general crabbiness. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm super crabby now because I'm tired, <laughs> and you know, I had something drilled into my bone, and you know, I'm unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> I will get better though. December 18th, man, or yep. December 17th at 6 yep. p.m. That will be. That's uh, when the interviews are all done. We are yeah. done. Yeah, we have two weeks left. So those are the, the things that I've noticed. Um, there's a couple of things that we started asking about that um, I, um, I'm kind of uh, I'm curious. You know, there's things that we added in that not so much new questions, but in some of the existing questions, we decided that we were going to ask people during the interview, like certain things of, of what they were doing. And uh, I've been kind of interested in seeing just at this point, the anecdotal evidence of what people are saying. Uh, and one of those, for instance, is this whole business of waiting time. And, um, you know, we see these, we see these things on the internet, these horrible lineups to get into the ports and things mm -hmm. like that. And all of these gripes about how these drivers don't get paid for this waiting time. So we asked, you know, when does the clock start on that waiting time? Does the driver have to actually be inside the yard or is it some other time? And every single one that I've talked to so far, the clock starts at the appointment time. As long as the driver arrives at the scheduled time, then the waiting time starts when the appointment was scheduled, even if the driver's in a lineup to get into the yard. So I'm very curious. Now, maybe we're not getting people that do a lot of port work where they have a lot of those delays, and maybe, maybe a lot of those delays are owner operators and things that uh, right. aren't getting paid. But everybody that uh, I've talked to so far is paying, even if the driver is stuck in a lineup to get into the yard. Are they reporting that that's happening a lot? No, it does not seem to be that much of an issue because when I ask about it, they, the ones that I've done on camera have made a face like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I think it, ha I think it's a port thing. I, it's very specific segments. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's everybody. And it's also not, and everybody just keeps going to that one port in, in mm -hmm. uh, Long not, Beach. Long Beach. And, you know, is it like that everywhere? I don't know. And that the fact that there are backups at the ports, it is a huge problem. We're just not talking to those fleets. Well, I think it's also kind of interesting that there's such a, a shortage of delivery options. So it's a shortage of uh, capacity that if you're making people wait two hours to get into your yard, they're just going to stop coming. There's so much freight available. They're just not going to take that. Well, that's that. the other thing. But it doesn't, I mean, what about the shortages and stuff that are, you know, that's all happening, like all the toys coming from overseas and yeah, stuff like that. Port. It's all port stuff. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a big, huge market and maybe most of the people who are part of the program are not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Could very well be. Well, a lot of the companies that we talk to are not operating in California and that's where those ports are. 
I've noticed that as well. So people don't want to do an owner operators. In yeah, they aren't, you know, people avoid California. So really, I think a lot of it is within California. Yeah. Yeah, could well be. And if you're not, you know, driving in California or operating in California, then it's not really going to affect anybody else. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a weird, you know, we won't really get a good picture of what's happening in the, the segment of trucking that is part of the best fleets until we do the evaluation at the end. We do the scoring. Yeah, in until we score. Yeah, this is just anecdotal from the fleets that I happen to have been reviewing, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know, maybe a half of the interviews that are happening. Um, so I've just started to notice some patterns and cool. a few things because I, I tend to be doing like a bunch of them at a time. Like today I've got four different ones that I have to review for other people. So you go through it and you see all of these answers and you're sort of skimming through it, looking for the details that are in there. And you start to notice commonality in some of these things. So I found that interesting. And the other one that we are uh, exploring is this whole COVID question, which we added Mm -hmm. new last year. And uh, for this year, we're asking specifically what happens uh, if drivers get sick on the road and quite a wide range of responses on that one. So some of them are very, some fleets are very diligent about checking in with drivers and making sure they're feeling safe and having a whole plan for them if they're not feeling well, if they're, you know, they have any symptoms or anything like that. Some of them aren't doing very much. Some of them are really just sort of leaving it to the driver. And if, uh, if the driver is ill, they can take time off and that's it. So that will be an interesting one to score for sure. Yes, absolutely. It's going to be... Well, it doesn't seem to be country specific. I thought there was going to be more country specific. Yeah, um, I thought so too. Responses, but it seems to be, it's just really this individual companies. It's a great question just because it's really highlighting the differences mm-hmm. amongst fleets. That whole idea of, well, you know, if you get it, you get it. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Treat it like a really long flu. And even, you know, even if it wasn't fatal, uh, in certain uh, circumstances, I think you would have to treat it differently than just the flu because it's more catching and it takes you out for a long time. Oh, for sure. That whole idea of it's just taking you out for at least two weeks because two weeks is kind of the average. But there are people who just don't ever shake it. Yeah. And that's, an, you know, so I think if I was... um if I had people on the road and people who didn't, well, like most of our staff is vaccinated. I think almost everybody. Uh, but I think if I had people on the road who weren't getting vaccinated, I would have a plan in place for, okay, what do we do with these people who might get sick mm-hmm. and they might get sick far from home. Like that's the worst. Yeah. Can you imagine just being that sick and being so far away from home? Oh yeah. Oh, brutal. That's what I would be thinking about. Yeah. Plan. I'm always, because yep. as you know, I'm always, I need to have a plan. Mm-hmm. There needs to be some sort of thing that we can do in this case, in this case, in this case. And yeah. and I badger you. <laughs> I know I badger you, but I don't like surprises. <laughs> no. No, I don't think many people like those kind of surprises. But people are dealing with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people are getting sick on the road. Yep. And, you know, sometimes it's not great. Yeah. So... Well, another question 
that we sort of watch for. It doesn't come up all that often, but it, because it's such a controversial thing, I always ask about it when I see it, and that is lease purchase plans. <laughs> so I had an interview with somebody uh, yesterday who has a very successful lease purchase, and I said, well, how can that be? I hear these things are the worst thing ever created. You know, these things are the demons incarnate. How can you possibly have one? And my interview uh, laughed at that. Obviously very clear on what the perception of them is. Uh, but they had a very good approach to how they were doing it. And I thought this was sort of creative and very effective that uh, all of their people need to have six months with the company mm-hmm. before they can consider going into a lease purchase. And when they do it, uh, what they do, what the company does is run all of that person's uh, work for the past six months. Is it six months or three months? might be just three months. And see, based on that work, if they were in a lease purchase at the time, would they be profitable? So run those numbers on an alternate scenario and say, okay, here's what your numbers would look like. Doing what you just did, here's what it would turn out to. And that's very eye-opening for the drivers because there's always this perception that you buy a truck, you own the world. Uh, and then you start seeing, okay, well, you're going to have these costs and this is what your, your lease uh, and your insurance and all of these other things are going to be. And uh, here's what you're going to be left with. And then they realize, oh, well, maybe this isn't for me. Right? So there's some of them that they've been able to say, okay, based on the way you work, you would need to change these specific things in order to have success. And then maybe those people make those changes and they have success. Uh, and maybe they decide they don't want to do it. But either way, they go into it with their eyes open. That's a really, really good and approach. Simple. Yeah. A simple way of doing it. But that wasn't always available, I think, yeah. to people. A bit of that Now is there's so much technology and you can look at so many bits of detail. And the other, the other part of that is, is that you have to have the ability to look at someone's numbers and interpret them. Yeah. So you have, and also coach them. And I think a lot, I think lease purchase has gotten a bad rap. Not necessarily. I don't think that companies are trying to profit off of it necessarily. I think a lot of it is the inability to communicate a, what you need to do to be an effective owner operator to, you know, to have all of this responsibility and two, how to change what habits you have you need to change and how to change them. A lot of people don't know how to put all of that instruction into words. Yeah. And that's a real issue. I mean, if you can't really explain it to somebody, then how do you expect them to make the changes that you need? Because anytime you go from being an employee to being your own boss in any sense of the word, there are changes. There are definitely differences. And you are, you know, you, you have the weight of the world on your shoulders when you are employing yourself. And it's worse, I think, almost when you start employing other people. Oh, yeah. Because it's not just you, your livelihood. You're also thinking, oh, my God, you know, if I screw this up, then there's all these other people's livelihoods as well. So that's, I think that that, you know, as people start getting more information and start understanding what success looks like, it's almost like a train the trainer, like to, to teach people how to have lease, uh, lease mm-hmm. um, purchase programs. That would be a cool thing to do. Yeah. Is to figure out what skills need to happen, checklists of things that you, so you can evaluate people on the things that you need to know. 
and where you can give people additional education and where it's probably not the best idea, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, yep. so that you can tell people what this thing, what, what those changes are. Yeah. I like that. That's a really interesting one. That's one of the things that I love about Vesley's program is coming across ideas like that, that are not expensive, not that difficult is just somebody has to have the idea. I have in the past, we've had other companies who do lease purchase programs who talk about giving them a training program, Mm -hmm. which I think is kind of the same thing as that whole mentorship training. You go in every week and you talk to somebody about your business and the finances and all of that stuff. And, you know, this is a really good idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the next step for that, and I haven't come across anybody doing it, but would be to have sort of a trial or mock period where you pretend that you're a lease op, where the company treats it like you are, you know, pretend that you own this truck and here's what your rates are going to be and here's what your payment is and go through that whole thing and see what happens at the end of three months. You know, without actually being stuck with the title for that truck or like, you know, locked into the long-term contract. Like a sort demo. Of a, yeah. Like, yeah. A trial run for a, a few months without the, uh, without this sort of commitment. You remember when we were kids, I don't know if you did this and I don't know, I might've been in the Middle East when we did this, but you get, um, you pretend that you're buying stocks. Oh, I remember when you do, yeah. when you do something about uh, history in the roaring twenties and everybody was buying stocks and, and there's usually some activity where you buy stocks or some game. Yeah. I'm trying to, I remember doing it and I remember the school I was at at the time, <laughs> which is how I figure out. What grade was it? It would have either been eighth or ninth yeah. because the school I went to was only seven, eight, nine. And it I started a- in part in, in grade eight, uh, there, but it was part of the, I'm trying to remember what it was, what, what program it was. I'm sure like it was like social studies. Sort of. yeah. yeah. So maybe that was, it'd be grade eight. Um, but and yeah, I social remember. social studies was history. Sort of. Yeah. And you, yeah, you were given a pretend amount mm-hmm. and then it was all newspaper based. So get the newspaper, yeah. open it up and go through all of these tiny stocks. Figure out your stocks. And I'm like, I don't know what any of these are. So I'm just going to like randomly pick some that have a name that sounds interesting. And like, I have no clue. I think I bought some mining company or something. (laughs) I have no idea what happened. I just remember it happening in school. It didn't go well for me. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have gone well for me either. Cause, cause I don't remember it. I didn't care about it and probably didn't do well or was absent. Well, and the timeline for a school project is going to be maybe a month, a month and a half. They're not going to be it can't be a multi-year thing. You know, best case, it's going to be a few months for the term, but that's way too short in an in investing window. It's more for the exercise of watching it and seeing what happens. But I think most people, probably their stocks went down during the period. <laughs> probably. You know, it's just pure luck if they happen to go up. Well, what, um, what is interesting about that, that idea is that you can do that now. You can, yeah. technology allows you to, have dummy accounts or dummy records and you can see, you can plug things in and you can Mm -hmm. see what the data is going to turn into. So that would be a, that would actually be a really interesting thing for, 
you know, those data companies, the personality profiles or other mm-hmm. kinds of data where you collect a whole bunch of things and then spit something out at the end, you know, one of those big safety companies Yeah. to do that. That would be very cool. Yeah. So any They're of not our listening partners to that this, are in this, yeah. in that area, please add that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that'd be a cool idea. Yeah. Because I, I never really bought the idea that Lee's purchase was necessarily evil, that it was just, you know, a way to rip off the drivers. And I'm sure it can be. I absolutely have no doubt that it can be. But I think a lot of the things that people assume are have evil intent are just not paying enough attention to it. Yeah. It's really more, you, you know, one of those things you you put a program into place and then you leave it and you don't pay attention to it again. And all of a sudden you come back to it six months later and it's crash and burned. That's yeah. kind of the thing. Or there's unintended consequences that you couldn't have seen, or it's just a lack of information or a lack of you know, transparency or visibility into what's actually happening. And, or people move like, or that the project gets dropped and people are in it and are just it, it, like that whole inertia thing. Yep. I think inertia pushes forward a lot of things that end up being bad and then you blame someone, right? So mm-hmm. drivers are going to blame the carriers, carriers are going to blame the drivers, the age-old. Yep. Oh, I thought you were continuing. No, that's it. I'm done. Oh, okay. <laughs> that half sentence was the end. Oh, the age-old, that's that's a sentence. The age-old story. There you there go. There we go. The age-old story. You can, you can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> and brings it to a close. Yes. Well, what else is happening? Anything non-Best Fleets happening in your world? I am working on defensive driving. Um, we have the content. I'm I'm working with our graphic artists on the um, simulations and characters and things like that so it's uh it's january it's looking like january and you went and spent a, a morning in a freezer doing a i photo did shoot. i did thanks to herb transport um that was fun we did we were doing a pallet jack course um can't remember uh they're not forklifts they're the sort of hand forklifts or the they're walkies not pallet jacks. Uh, they have 50 different names okay uh, riders, walkies, um, um, pallet jacks, hmm. like there's just a bunch of different names for them, but they're basically the, the, the forklift equipment that you don't drive. That you pull and push around. Yeah. And there's riders that you can stand on, but you're not driving hmm. it. Like you're, you're operating oh, it. Yeah. Okay. Those are called riders. Okay. And sometimes they're walkie riders. So if you can push them and... And ride on them at the same time. There's a bunch of different types. But anyway, that's what we did. We have a course on that that's coming. And we did a photo shoot for it. And um, I asked Herb uh, if we could do photos. Because they have they had a, a, a course that they were asking us if we could do. And we didn't end up doing it. But uh, I, we've had other requests for it. So we wrote the course, um, Anna and one of my writers, Anna wrote the course and it's written, but we need images. Mm -hmm. So I went to the, um, warehouse, one of the warehouses that Herb has, uh, where we did that and it is cold. It is cold. 
and it's funny because it wasn't a freezer. It wasn't it was wasn't it was like refrigerated temperature. And it's it's weird, you know, it's cold, but it it's a more of a seeping in cold. Like when you're outside and it's cold, it's not that bad. You're usually moving around and things like that. Right. But when you're in a and you're in a refrigerated room, like it's a refrigerated warehouse, so it's a big room. And you're, depending on how quickly you're moving or what you're doing, if you're just kind of standing still, it just kind of, you know, you just get really cold and it just <laughs> sinks into your bones. And um, so I was talking to Edward, who was the uh, our, our model, and he was saying that, yeah, you get used to it. And yeah. his hands were like super red and he had didn't have gloves on or anything like that. Yeah. And I was like, I was so, I wasn't super cold when I was there, but I stayed cold. It was like I was refrigerated. I stayed cold. I had the, the my seat heaters on in the car. And when I got <laughs> home, I was like, okay, I need to take the longest hot shower ever. I do not think that I would fare well. Well, that's my experience when I go to England most of the time, because it's the same thing there. <laughs> like England has that sort of damp cold that just gets into your bones and none of the buildings are properly insulated. Like these older things that they're all sort of cold and damp and you just never get warm. But it was quite cool to watch how, I mean, it's really, what do you call it? Like it's very efficient. Like all of the stuff that they're doing in that warehouse is very efficient. And every warehouse that I've been into, that is one of the things that I always find very cool is that these things are efficient. You know, when you know what you're doing, you know, you go and you grab a pallet and you raise it up and you go and put it somewhere else and everybody goes really, really fast. Mm. And because they can, I mean, it's very, it's the movement is efficient. You can turn corners very quickly. You can go relatively fast. So it's one of those things where it, it's very efficient and very quick, but if you're not careful, yeah. you're going to, you know, dangerous. yeah, you don't want to be in front of a forklift when it's zipping down the, down the row. So, um, it was nice to see, you know, it was nice to see, uh, best fleets environment and things like that as well. And, you know, got my temperature taken. We wore masks and stuff like that, which is ugh. when you're wearing a mask and it's in in, in like sub zero, mm. it's, it's not pleasant. Yeah, I guess. It's a lot of wet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just think about when you're outside in the yep. cold and you have a scarf over your nose. It was similar to that. Mm, so lovely. Yeah, I know. Uh, so we have we have a whole bunch of stuff that's kind of coming out at once. So we've got pallet jacks. Uh, sexual harassment for Calif California rules, which were is going to be released uh, probably a little bit sooner. Uh, we're going to use that to do a generic sexual harassment course, which will probably come out in February or March. Um, defensive driving and an overhaul of TDG. Wow. Yeah. Well, this all is that coming before Christmas. <laughs> If we didn't have everybody doing best fleets interviews, probably. Yeah. Um, but. But it's good. It's a good experience for them going through that. Oh, we're also doing a, this one isn't a whole new course. It's another version of, you guessed it, hours of service. <laughs> 
Yeah, because there's not a month that goes by without some hours of service work. No, no. And it's like I've passed the hot potato to Tiffany and now she does all the hours of service and she's going to have to pass it on to someone else now. You know, we need to have more people who can do this. But Warner Brothers um, asked us to do a version for the motion picture industry. So apparently the motion MPI has uh, made a deal. Can't call it motion picture industry. No, it's called MPI now. MPI. Well, motion picture industry is kind of like a lot in your mouth, right? Mm. So MPI has made a deal with the BC government in British Columbia, BC. So it's H-O-S-M-B-C-M-P-I. Does it include ELD? No. (laughs) No, I Non-ELD. Non-ELD. H-O-S or B-C-M-P-I. Yeah, exactly. There'll be a test on this later, right? Yeah, just on the acronyms. So they have their own specific rules because the people who who drive the trucks are maybe operating for, like they might actually be driving for two hours and then they're off duty for six and then they're on duty for five and then they take it out. It kind of goes over their, you know, their hourly, their daily limit. And so they've got all of these exemptions and things like that. And they also have a very different way of talking about hours of service. So um, we kind of revamped our hours of our Canadian hours of service course. And if it goes well with Warner Brothers, then they're going to use it for other. Um, what are the the studios? Because hmm. apparently, what happens for the motion picture industry or the MPI, uh, the it's all the Teamsters. And so mm. the Teamsters all work for all of the different right. movie studios. And yeah, they just, they're all project based all of right. these productions. So you go from project to project wherever the, there's somebody needing. Sometimes they do different movies. They'll be at different studios in a week. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're at the same studio. They're, they're on the same production for, you know, the three months that it's shooting. Sometimes they're not like sometimes they go from production to production or sometimes they're there for two weeks and then three weeks or three days or like it. So it really depends. And there's a whole system of how they figure out their hours of service. It was kind of interesting to see how they've, you know, managed, you know, how they have to operate and how they work with hours of service. So we're doing that as well. And, and that Tiffany's um, been uh, working with that. Wow. Okay. I don't think there's any other strange custom stuff that we're doing. Unless you can remember things that I can't. No. <laughs> I can't. I can barely keep track of my own stuff now. Well, with TDG, my goal is to um, have customized versions for different classes. Oh, yeah. different classes. Mm-hmm. Okay, not different vehicle types or anything. Oh, vehicle types too. So we have a new... Um, we have a new staff member, Chrissy Cordingly, who is a, our compliance expert or compliance specialist, and she is going to be looking into TDG for specifically for fuel haulers. So it will be, you know, how they do their shipping documents and wow, dealing finally. with just class three. I know this has been years that I've wanted to do this and I haven't been able to, but she's she's already started trying to contact people about yeah. uh about that. So it will, yeah. And I know that we have a section in our current TDG course about mixed loads. And I want to, 
I want to separate out courses so that you have one that doesn't deal with mixed loads at all mm-hmm. and one that does. And, one for tanker versus van. Well, even van, you can have a single. Yeah. You can just have a single um, Tanker class. people have some different things that they have to pay attention to. Exactly. And we are, we have never really been sure what those are. Mm. So that's the, that's the investigation that we have to do right now is figure out what those things are, how to add them to the course, and then we'll do a specific version. Yeah. Cool. So, but having it for a different class, like if you, if you, you know, obviously class seven is, which is radioactive, it's going to have, I don't think we're going to do class seven, but class six, the poisonous and hazardous stuff is going to be different than class three, which is flammable, different than also class one. Probably I'm not going to do that. What's class one? That's explosives. Explosives, yeah. yeah. So people who are running. Well, you ex- know, as soon as you don't do it, somebody will say, do you have class one? I'm going to do the easier ones first. The ones that are not, don't have specialized. What will be different about these things? Because uh, the course that you have right now is really about how to read the regulations and mm-hmm. how to find the information that you need in the handbooks and the schedules and things like that. So what are you doing differently here? What I would do, so for example, if I did class one, well, okay, let's look at um, class three. Well, no, let's not look at class three because I already told you what I was going to do. Class three, flammable liquids are pretty much in tanks, so... It was going to be a tanker course that's also going to address things like, you know, when you operate the vehicle, what are things mm. that you have to be careful of in terms of swishing around? Like when you're driving with with liquid, it's different than driving with solids. Right. So it's not just going to be about the regulations. It's going to be about the more of the actual application mm-hmm. throughout the course of a day. Right. Okay. So if it's hazardous materials or not hazardous, like poisonous stuff, um, then dealing with, you know, what do you, some common emergency things or uh, things that, you know, if you're, if you're hauling lithium batteries versus poisonous stuff, Mm -hmm. like there's going to be differences. So what about the mixed load or the mixed classes? For mixed loads, or when you have two or three different classes, there is a whole rigmarole that you have to go through in terms of deciding how to placard. Yeah, so I'm familiar. That <laughs> but is that going to mean you have a whole bunch of different courses? Like you could end up having mm-hmm. a course for each class plus a course for each combination of classes, which seems like um, it would be crazy. I think that what I would do is, first of all, do the ones like, do the things that our necessities now. So class three, you know, the whole flammable liquids, delivering gas, like that whole tanker course, that's going to be first. Um, And then what I want to do is do the mixed classes and non-mixed classes. So we have, it's still, the course is still, you can still take it no matter what class it is. But for people who are looking for specific classes, we can easily change the court, the main course into a single class course. So I'm not thinking okay. we're going to do all the classes in okay. the next month, but we're going to have a, so the, we have a character who's an actually a dangerous good and he think it's class six, hmm. H202, which is class six or class eight. I can't remember. I think it's class six, 
But we still use examples of different classes because I still have the mixed loads thing in there. Okay. So I may change them to, if I want to change them to a class three, I can do that pretty easily. And that's the idea is how easily can I switch things out so that we can focus on different classes. Okay. Well, that sounds so good. There you go. Very cool. That's the, the brilliance behind the. Sounds like a lot of work. But that course has kind of existed in its initial state since 2005. The initial design has uh, been steady ever since then with many updates to the content and new graphics and things like that. But it was definitely uh, due for an overhaul. Well, it's not that the information is changing that much. No. I mean, it's still the same basic concept is that schedules one, two, and three are where you find the information and then you have to go to different places in the regulations to see what, what you do in these situations. It's just that when you are usually hauling a particular class, you get to know what those are. And I think that's what fleets want is that, you know, you get to know, like, for example, in class six, they have packing group this and that means this and you have to do this. And like, there's a whole bunch of other things that go with it. Mm -hmm. So okay. I think fleets want, want that information in a better package. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes it shorter because I don't have to explain how to look everything up, yeah. I can explain it in, in more, more condensed. And does that make it, does that make it more susceptible to endless updates when small things change though? Like now you've got a fairly generalized course that teaches people how to figure it out for themselves. And the benefit of that is that we're not constantly having to change based on every little thing. The main things that have changed in the past would be changes that I would have to make in general. So the main changes have been reporting. Mm -hmm. That's reporting is reporting. Okay. I, you know, there's like maybe a paragraph that would change for different classes. Okay. Um, the other thing was the ERAP stuff. Like, you know, um, I think the big change that you made a few years ago was to the weight. And the danger placard. Yeah. So yeah. when do you use the danger placard? Well, that's a mixed loads versus non-mixed right. loads. So that's one page. Yeah. A lot of the very detailed things where it keeps changing is not, a lot of the time it's about shipper requirements. It's not about the driver. Okay. So. Interesting. Don't worry, I know what I'm doing. Really? I got it under control. <laughs> well, I know you're new to this course development thing and TDG is something you haven't spent much time on, so. I want to make sure. You know. Yeah, thanks for checking curious. up on me. <laughs> well, I'm curious how you're planning to handle that because they seem they they seem to make TDG changes more and more regularly now. Like for a while, it was pretty stable, but it's getting to be a pretty consistent set of updates happening. It, yeah. It, one of the big problems is that sometimes the updates are. Let me go back. We have examples that we, we just chose UN numbers that seemed like they were pretty, you know, generic. regular, generic, yeah, whatever. Ones. Yeah. And there's a bunch of things that, you know, like they change packaging requirements and things like that. Uh, okay. So what happens is our examples get changed. We don't know which UN numbers are going to get changed in right. the next five years. True. The other thing that drives me up the bloody wall is that they changed the links. They changed the URLs. The URLs. Yeah. And it's not like I can download Schedule 1 
and it will remain the same because yeah. Schedule One changes every five minutes. Yeah, so, come on, Transport Canada. And they had pick this, something and stick with it. They had this amazing way you could go to a page and look up a UN number in Schedule One, mm-hmm. and they've taken that away. So now it's this scrolling through this endless list. Ooh, I know. Like I don't understand why they changed it. It was a great little database. Like just make it a little database. Yeah. But no, but no. So I just went through the other thing that they've done is they have, when they changed the amendments to the TDG regulations, they're actually taking pages out. So the regulations are in a set of, I don't know, 60 pages. And so the online version is page one, page two, page three, page four. So when you take out a bunch of amendments or take out a bunch of regulations because you've changed it, and they remove five pages, well, all the other pages get messed up. Now page 14 is something totally different. Exactly. It either doesn't exist or it takes you to the wrong place. So I think one of the things I'm going to charge Chrissy with is every once in a while, go and check the links and see if they point to the places they're supposed to. Yeah, that's like a monthly exercise. And it's probably an hour every month. Just go through and make sure they're all pointing to the right spot. And and of course, is the biggest problem. I know that that particular course, I don't know who it is at Transport Canada who's just or they have a whole bunch of different web developers that are all doing it differently. But I really my big request to Transport Canada is to please figure out your website. Yeah. Stop changing it all the time. I know. Drive me crazy. Well, and I think with that, we should probably wrap it up. This is uh, our final podcast of the season. So we will be back after Christmas, uh, hopefully a little bit rested, but at that point, just getting rolling with the best fleet scoring Mm -hmm. and presumably with some of these courses, either live or close to being live. And uh, we'll see where that takes us. Yeah. So happy holidays. Have a lovely, have a lovely vacation holiday. And this is a preemptive happy new year to everybody. Happy new year. Yep. (laughs) Thank you.